Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy, and I'm, I have to check the notes. Processing? Yes. Uh, still, You're still good. Nailed it. Ed, this week we got to talk about something. Hit me. The uptick in offers from casinos for discounted or free room rates. In Las Vegas. Oof, tell, tell me your inbox is blowing up like mine is. I'm about two a day, I feel like. I'm getting free rooms, match play, free play, free dinners. I, I hope business is better at the Montecito than it is at the MGM properties these days, because I guess folks are still a little worried about, you know, the ninth biblical plague that we continue to live under. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, my favorite is the Cosmopolitan, my preferred gaming establishment. Love it. If if you're looking to sponsor the podcast, reach out pod at the Montecito at Gmail dot com. You know, put attention, Judson. That's fine. We'll get it. We'll make sure the producer forwards it to us. They have the audacity to say, yeah, we'll give you free rooms during the week at a good deal on weekend rates. I'm like, fuck you, Cosmo. Like, sorry, dog, not Cosmo, the dog. Fuck you, Cosmo, the hotel. That's preposterous. I mean, we've we've had this conversation many times because I, we share a love of the Cosmo. I've never actually stayed there, but my win rate is like I think I'm eighty percent successful trips to the Cosmo. I love that place, but they don't give a shit about gamblers. They they want the sexy club people. They don't give out rooms. Like they do not give a shit. The fact that they're even finally offering free rooms during the week shows how bad things must be because they never do that. Yeah, I mean, we have we have talked about the Cosmopolitan's reluctance to extend offers, but that was pre-global pandemic. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I mean, maybe they get there. I don't know. They're, they are going to hold out the longest. But, ooh, boy, I tell you what, you want to stay at Mandalay? You want to see the, the big gold lion at MGM? They have got you. If the Montecito were real, how badly are they hurting right now? We're going to talk about it, but with the amount of comps they're giving out this app, holy shit, they are they are paying you to come to the Montecito. It's, they're throwing an airfare, right? That's probably at a minimum. Uh, they're hitching a bunch of yokels on the outbound, but they are willing to pick you up wherever you are on the Montecito jet. I think I would roll the dice on the pandemic. If a casino was going to fly me out on their jet, that might do it. So uh, MGM Caesars, if you're listening, if you want to fly me out on the PJ, I will. Uh, I'll I'll drop a thousand dollars at your tables. I mean, you're you are a reasonable man. I might need yeah. 2003 era Vanessa Marcel on the plane to risk it right now. Give me another three months of this god awful isolation. Might be a little more willing. Well, on that cheery note, should we talk about the episode? Season one, episode seven, pros and cons. Well, it depends. Do you have good or bad things to say about it? Cricket drop. <laughs> Fuck you. We open at the roulette wheel <laughs> with a gentleman who will come to know as Cosme, seeing red and pushing his whole stack of chips onto the red spot. He has roulette wheels in his eyes, which is creepy. He's clearly never watched Passenger 57, which is disappointing. Charlie, you ever play roulette? 
On occasion. Well, let me give you a word of advice. Always bet on black. Hopefully it means he's better on his taxes than Wesley Snipes, though. Almost anyone has to be. <laughs> Comes up black. His wife, who we'll learn is Leonor, storms off angrily for the restroom. But before we get into anything else, how upsetting is it to watch a guy get color at a roulette table and then push it all in one bed anyway? Just use the casino chips, my man. I was going to say, we got our first dumb gambling thing right off the bat. Using the inside chips on the outside is extremely frowned upon. The only way I know that this isn't an oversight on the part of production, but is genuinely meant to indicate how shitty Cosme is of a roulette player, is that the dealer shuts down betting fast. He is pit like, nope, no bets. Don't fucking touch them, lady. The dealer is angry. Yeah. He's like, I just did all that work. You could have just put your, your normal casino chips down. I hate you. He, know, he knows that Gambler is coming for that money, and he sees the wife trying to pull back, and he's not having it. He's getting those chips back. You know who else who knows Gambler's coming? There's a woman behind Cosme and Leonore. I don't know if you clocked her. She's laughing. First, I'm like, oh, maybe she won big. Then she notices them having a fight and continues her laughter. She is on the metaphorical don't pass line on this role. Were we to have a douchebag of the episode, she would be our clubhouse leader at eight under. She is hilarious. She's right. Not a douchebag. She is totally correct. So she is correct. I 100% grant you that. But Gambler will notice that she laughed at the misfortune of a fellow gambler that did not benefit her in any way. Gambler does not look kindly upon that. We have an ample ample library of evidence to support that we do that is true but also you and i both appreciate when somebody is disrespecting the game getting duly punished whether or not it benefits us true but anytime that we have voiced that position at the table we have gotten our asses handed to us at the table bet is twenty dollars twenty dollars you have to have carnal knowledge of a lady this time On the premises. On the premises. So I have to assume that that woman gets cleaned out the next, like, five spins. Sure. Or she meets the wrong woman in the bathroom. Segway! In the ladies' lounge at the bathroom, which, by the way, how gross would the gentlemen's lounge be if we had one of those? There are not couches in the gentlemen's lounge in the bathroom. No. Well, if there are, they're covered in uh, plastic drop cloths. (laughs) 1960s style. Yeah. For your masturbatory pleasure. <laughs> Woman crying on the couch. Delinda sits down to comfort her. Apparently, Ed, there's an abusive boyfriend situation. Won't let her couch out of her chips. She can't get away from him. No problem. Delinda's here to buy the chips off her. Before we get into any of this, holy shit, the wig department has gone downhill since oh. we met our Foghorn Leghorn senator friend back in what, episode two? I disagree. They just stitched together a hundred of his mustaches <laughs> to make her wig. Ooh, this red wig, real bad. The jacket, dope as hell. That's a cool-ass motorcycle jacket. But one of the worst, most obvious wigs I've seen in a long time. You're not wrong. My issue with the scene that I couldn't get over. You know what? The fact that Delinda buys the chips off her, I got no issue with that. Whatever. That seems like a very Delinda thing to do. Yeah. Well, and that's like making change. And yeah, every once in a while you're going to make change and get past a counterfeit bill. But like, okay, as far as you know, fungible economic unit into a different fungible economic unit. No issue. She doesn't count the chips, Ed. She says, 
tell you what, I'll just buy them from you. How much do you have? Uh, like $400 worth. Not a problem. Dylan just peels off four C notes, says, pleasure doing business. That I cannot cotton. Yeah, I only saw like one green, a whole bunch of reds, and some some one. And some blues, which are like fucking 50 cent pieces. Yeah, it, Delinda, oh, sweet, beautiful, gullible ass Delinda. Well, that's not even the half of it, because on the floor, she gets stopped by Nessa. <laughs> First thing she's gambling on the job, which is great. I don't even think you're allowed to gamble at your own property, much less do so on the job. It's, it whatever. seems frowned upon. I know in St. Louis you can't, uh, or at least you didn't used to be able to. Like, I talked to a lot of dealers who, you know, I'd be playing at the Ameristar, they're dealing at the Ameristar, and they go to Lumiere because you just can't. It's illegal against company policy, something. You don't shit where you eat. Well, except the cast of Las Vegas, which shits where they eat all the time. All the time. Also, they both eat and shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But relax, Nessa. I'm not gambling. Uh, I'm just changing in some chips for a friend. Uh Uh-oh. These are not Tostitos chips. These are generic private label chips. They be counterfeit. Is this the first time we've ever seen Nessa be good at her job and live up to the Ice Queen moniker? Well, I guess when in her spying scam days with uh, Ruben slash the professor, she was good. But that wasn't at being a pit boss. Right. Arguably, that was being terrible at being a pit boss. <laughs> this is the first time I feel like we've actually gotten the the long lauded rep of Nessa, the best pit boss in the game, because she clocked that shit immediately. I do love this notion that Nessa and so she flags down Danny to show him the counterfeit chips. I do love this idea that they're either a really bad counterfeits and or and I think it's probably and. B, these guys are so good at what they do that they're able to clock the counterfeits immediately because Danny picks it up for a fifth of a second. And it's like, oh, shit, counterfeit. Yeah, this is fake as hell. Who is trying to pass these off? Delinda is continuing her run of bad decisions, asking Danny not to tell Ed. Is there a sure way right now to get Danny to tell Ed than say, please don't tell Ed? And once again, we don't have to tell daddy, do we? Wink, sexy look. This relationship is just bizarre. You got you can't be that horny with the person you just broke up with, Delinda. It is an emotionally abusive relationship where Delinda is the abuser. Full stop, period. Delinda's taking a lot from the table, not putting much on it. I like that Danny presents the chip to the camera like he's showing it a red card. And in security, five of the six monitors go on the chip. Ed taking it in stride and a really bashful Delinda on the sixth camera as we go to the credits. A very good call to open to the episode. Ed, last, uh, I guess it's three weeks ago now, I gave you some shit for Music Theory Nerd Corner. You did. It was very, it was very good music theory. I did some research and some mm-hmm. oh, shit. music analysis. Wow. Should I put Spacebooks on this? Well, it depends. So you claimed that the two theme songs had a different time signature. Yes. They do not. They are both 4-4. Okay. I lost that bet. However. However. I listened to the new song approximately 15 times. Christ, I'm sorry. Well, because I wanted. That is dedication. I wanted to aggregate because I was doing a manual beats per minute count. And I wanted to aggregate my manual observations. So as to provide you and our listeners a more scientific estimate. 
just yeoman's effort, my friend. I reasonably estimate that Let It Ride has 104 beats per minute, whereas empirically, the Little Less Conversation remix has 116 beats per minute. Uh, and I think uh, that might be enough to throw off, you know, so I think they're, they're still making uh, cuts on the same downbeat, but because it's, uh, you know, each measure's pulled forward, it might be on a and two instead of on an and one. And that's enough to throw off a montage that hasn't changed. For our listeners who are also enjoy video games like you and I do, you know that I enjoy fighting games quite a bit. Uh, you get your frame data. Anything over 10 frames is is a lifetime. If you miss something that bad, you're fucked. You're losing a quarter of your bar. So that would check out time-wise. Yeah. I do think we don't need to be worried about listeners anymore because after four minutes about music theory segueing into fighting game strategy, they're all gone. Man, the two listeners that are still here, though, are so fucking on board, though. Those two are you and me. Shit. Well, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't listen after it gets published. Oh, well, me and somebody else are pretty pumped then. I didn't want to goose your numbers anymore. Act one, scene one. We're in Ed's office. Apparently these counterfeit chips are terrible fakes. Like the period worst period. Colors wrong. With the literal size of the chips wrong. Markings wrong. Is it a surprise that Delinda hasn't ever looked at a chip in the casino? No. And also really. the surprise to me is why does Ed think this reflects negatively on him? Like the, the fact that she accepted the counterfeits, the fact that she got scammed is a different story, but he seems caught up on how bad the counterfeits are. And okay. Like who gives a shit? I took it as more. If she were to have gotten to the cage, how bad it would have looked for. Ah, uh, Okay. I like that. I like that. I buy that. Now, also in this scene, they claim to not have bathrooms or excuse me, not to have cameras in the bathroom. But after the shit we saw in the psychic's dressing room, do we actually believe them? I don't. I do. One, because we've been to Vegas and we know that they don't have cameras yeah, in yeah. bathrooms. I don't mean real and, Vegas casinos. Right, right. I mean the Montecito. But also, I feel like this is the third time it's come up. Yeah, but here's the thing. Danny gets real horny on security cameras. I think there's a decent chance he's got him. He can't admit to Ed he's got him, but I think pervert Danny has rigged up some cameras. Maybe not in uh, his stalls, but in that little lounge area, for sure. For sure he has. In the le- so the lounge area, I would believe. I'll give you that. Yeah. Speaking of Danny, is really, really enjoying Delinda's fuck up, which immediately, I know we talk about this a lot. We've all seen these episodes. But I think on a first viewing, you have to think, what a tactical mistake, Danny. I get he's hurt by her. She's always trouncing him, but you got to hold that. You yeah. got to, you got to save that card. You can't, you can't immediately lay it down. My St. Louis blues got destroyed last night. And this reminds me of when they scored their second goal to be down only three late in the game. And they're not celebrating because they know, yes, we scored a goal, but we're still getting our ass kicked. Danny, she's still up 49 to six. Now you could still miss the extra point. Bite your fucking tongue. Yeah, if if this is soccer, you are running into the goal after the ball, grabbing it and sprinting back to the yeah. midline. Yeah, you're to in trouble. Kick still. off again, real quick. You're still you don't in have trouble. a clock for this. After Delinda leaves, Ed gives Danny a watch that was given to him by an off-screen Mister Hellman. Then thinks Danny, who refers to the watch as nice bling, is talking about Delinda, 
which is weird. But even more weird, Danny steps into an unforced error by not having a single nice word to describe Delinda. Uh, it's, I don't think that's as much an unforced error because when, when Ed says, oh, you wouldn't use bling to describe my daughter, what word would you use? Lovely. There's no good answer there. No, that's, it's all, whatever he says is gonna be a bad answer. Not, okay, so there are no good answers, but there are answers that are not as bad as nothing. Sure. Uh, mm, mm. Uh, it's close. Also, I have a question for you. Yes. You just said Mr. Hellman. When I watched the episode, I heard Mr. Herman, which made ah. me think back to the high roller Mike's buddy from MIT. That's what I thought he said. Okay. Well, I will make a note and I'll go back and listen to this more closely and then drop in one of the following two phrases. You're right. It was Mr. Herman or. You fucking idiot. It was definitely Mr. Hellman. He didn't. On the casino floor, <laughs> Sam is showing a pair of high rollers, who we'll later learn are named Michael and Elliot, to their uh, blackjack table. But they have a very particular table name, specifically table 44. No problem. Nessa's going to take care of it while they go drinks. Michael here, played by Paul Ben Victor, a real that guy, had recurring roles on The Wire and Entourage, and was on the main cast for In Plain Sight. Good guy, this Michael. I don't know if you ever watched In Plain Sight, but I enjoyed that. Uh, I can't say that I did, uh, but both of the gentlemen looked familiar. I didn't know Elliot. I IMDb'd it. He wasn't anybody. What it was is he looks like a guy who is on the Flash show now, uh, which obviously age-wise wouldn't make any sense, sure. but that's what I was thinking. Also, that's the dude that just got fired for some real spicy tweets. Rut row. Yeah. Rip. So Nestle's going to take care of this. On her way, she gets stopped by a woman with dramatically different hair, but the same heart tattoo on her hand as the woman who scammed Delinda. Also, same level of wig work. Holy shit. I mean, they put a lot of money into this show. The budget is not the issue. Just whoever's working their wig department is fucking trash. Or it's a deliberate choice because this is a this woman, this con artist who's putting on her own wigs within the fiction and perhaps does not do a very good job. And therefore this is an indictment of both Delinda and Nessa for recognizing a terrible wig game. You're going to give the show that much credit. I feel like we drag it a lot. Every once in a while, I need to put my finger on the scales to help it out. All right. So the scammer who will later learn his name, Shelly is running a lost and found scam for a diamond stud earring. Doesn't pan out because she guesses wrong on the setting for the diamond earring. So close, though. Yeah. I mean, that almost worked way too well. Well, I thought, oh, you know, bad job being over overly specific. But I think you have to be so that they hand it over to you. So I think this is a numbers game, right? She probably runs this at every place. Yeah, no, it's a great play by her. The fact that it almost worked. The fact that all she had to say was, yeah, it's a diamond earring with a gold stem. And that was all the evidence you needed. Pretty good play by her. Well, in second place. There's a set of steak knives, so she's going to get a comped room. So she's not going home empty handed. As we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest, as you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize, a set of steak knives. Allegedly lost an earring, free night. God, they just hand out comps at this place. We, man, we would clean up at the Montecito. Okay, but if you're a con artist, if you accept the comped night, 
you're now going to have to tie yourself to a room number. And my question, so this is the second time she's run a scan at the Montecito. Why the fuck do these criminals keep criming at the same spot? You, you hit and run with your criming, don't you? Typically, yes. But when you see how easy this place is, it's so full of marks. You're just, you're running the game as long as you can, I guess. You're, you're feeding the hot See, that's how criminals get caught. I'm not saying it's a good strat. Pigs get fat, it's, hogs it's get a slaughtered. Check. Dumb move. Yeah, well. Dumb move. So Danny is once again terrible at the rom-com thing. There's this whole thing about does he need to get set up by Delinda and is that pathetic? And I don't really want to talk about it. Do you? No, not no, really. It's shitty. Danny, once again, pathetic. Fix your shit. But Mary runs into a roulette couple who are down to their lucky $5 chip. Wife is distraught. Husband, who we find out has just been laid off. Totally fine. Can I get a quick 20? I'll give you a tw- quick 20. The one thing we do have to talk about is Mary shows up after this conversation and immediately hits Danny with a guilt trip again. Yeah. I'm not saying hit my music yet, but I might be later. Here's the thing, though. If Danny is going to walk around talking about his romantic situation at work with ostensibly anyone who will listen, I think Mary's got all the rights in the world to come over the top and be like, motherfucker, like, I put a move on you and you kissed back and then basically ghosted me. Fucking sit there in your shit and let it stew. She's she's aggressive. I don't get me wrong. It was a strong move by her. But I think based on the way Danny seemingly glides through his romantic life, fuck him. He gets it. You're not wrong there. I'm just saying there is there is a middle ground between random drive by makeout and immediate guilt trip. At some point, there should have been a conversation of like, yo, hey, what's up? Well, but ostensibly, this was a week ago, so he probably had an opportunity. And I don't know. I mean, I definitely bumped on it as being part of the shitty rom-com quadrant of what Las Vegas, the TV show provides. But I didn't think that Mary was particularly egregious in this one. Okay. so this roulette couple of ours, they want to see Wayne Newton. It's like Cosme's idol. Mr. Las Vegas should be called Mr. Neon City, if we're being perfectly fair. Well, I mean, that's he's got a long list of AKs. Wayne Newton also in the husband's eyeball, like the roulette wheel. I think my guy needs an optometrist ASAP. Got a weird stigmatism going. Yeah, his glaucoma is out of control. <laughs> but they can't go see him because they can't afford the tickets now. And my thought is, isn't it a little late to be considering buying tickets? It, it turns out it's very late for that because he has sold the fuck out, we'll learn. But Mary's going to hook him up. Comped tickets. She's just too much of a sweetheart to let this go. And that's fine. At Mystique, Sam and her whales have shown up for some cocktails. Mystique's still opening up. And the whales are desperate to get down on action. Like, how long have we been here? We still haven't bet on anything. If you could pause the episode right there, I felt very much seen by them. The how long have we been here? 20 minutes. I haven't bet on anything yet. That felt like a conversation that you and I have had in the cab line at McCarran before. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, anytime you and I have arrived at Las Vegas at the same time, we have had that conversation. Yeah, that one uh, that hit a little too close. But then you hit resume and they've decided they're going to bet 10 grand on whether or not a server's breasts are natural or store bought. Uh, my friend and I, uh, we just uh, just made a little wager. I'm saying those fabulous curves of yours there, those magnificent, spectacular breasts are store-bought. And I believe that your lovely hooters are, are all natural. Hmm? 
They ask her, and instead of an answer, they rightly get slapped. But what I want to discuss is, we know from earlier, Nessa says they're good for $100,000 per person per weekend. Seems like this is a regular, you know, annual, semi-annual, who knows occurrence. So 10% of the gambling budget for the weekend on this little side bet, that seems aggressive. I mean, maybe Nessa was talking about usually losing around 100K. I'm, I'm with you. But later on, they're only going to take a marker out for 10K. So for the for their first hand, though. Sure, but I don't think if you're losing 100K, if your estimate if the house's estimated take is 100K, that means you're at least bringing 500K to the table, and a ten a ten thousand marker is probably not getting your these era. these kids are on some some real bonkers shit. Let's let's put it that way. And look, I don't like gambling amongst friends. You know, like fantasy football or space box bets, whatever. But like meaningful amounts of money always seems kind of shitty because like somebody's going to be Yeah, why take each other's money? Right. Maybe that's their thing. But that, I bumped on that. Like, holy shit, that's a that's some big action on a coin flip between two buddies. A weird choice for sure. Poolside, Danny's talking to some scrub we'll never see again about lockboxes in the cabanas or some shit. Who cares? I would put it in what I call a lockbox. Governor Bush, your response. I don't know what that was all about. But I will tell you this, don't mess with Texas. When he's distracted by a woman swimming underwater in one of the pools. I have often prided myself on my Hawkeye. I feel like I typically have good sense of what is around me and especially in Vegas, have a tendency to look for attractive women around me. Yeah, you're a visual sexual predator. Uh, wow, wow, that's aggressive, <laughs> sir. I do not appreciate or take that. You are a liar and a felon. Come on over, officer. Getting back to where I was going. He's hitting on a 270 degree angle. He's he is somehow clocking his about nine o'clock underwater. That's I mean, no, come on. Your radar doesn't work like that. That being said, when she comes out of the water, God damn, he's not wrong. So even if she were above water, I would think that this is a chaff versus airplane situation. So the way that chaff distracts from the missile from hitting the airplane is it clutters the radar with a lot of other targets. Danny is outside at the pool where, by the way, it was supposed to have shut down last two weeks ago. Whatever. It's fine. The pool's still open. He is always surrounded by hot women at the pool. So I have to think he is desensitized to it. Sure. Now, if she if he sees her walking across the floor at the casino while he's not on duty, whatever. But I have to think this isn't something that would normally trigger a reaction out of Danny. Uh, You are not wrong there. But his watch certainly catches her eye just in time for a dude to come up and start harassing her physically as opposed to this hooba stank looking motherfucker. This (laughs) Lincoln Park lead singer looking douche. Fuck you, man. (laughs) Limp Biscuit rules. (laughs) Holy shit. Uh, again, the casting department, the wig department may be fucking trashed on this show, but the casting department knows how to find sleaze balls. This fucking guy, oh my god, he wrote a theme song for Randy Orton in 2006. Holy shit. Well, well and if my wife is still listening to the podcast at this point, I think she, if she'd watched the episode, would have recognized him from Lucifer. I think he was on that hmm. show. I've only ever watched it when I'm trying to nap and my wife's trying to watch television while I nap. But he definitely looked 
uh, familiar. So I IMDb him. And you know what, Ashley? This podcast for you also. So maybe fucking listen to it and watch the show. My wife. Danny chases this hoobastank motherfucker off. The con artist lady introduces herself as Shelly. A thing I really liked in this scene, in addition to Shelly's chest, is the soundtrack. That they used the music really well during they this did. scene. Uh, throughout the episode, I feel like. For sure. But this is the first time where I honestly have thought of the soundtrack as a character. I was like, oh, this is good. This is actually very, very well done. When Danny wants to puff out his chest and peacock things a little bit. Hey, peacock, put the fucking show on your thing already. (laughs) But when he wants to peacock, man, he he knows how to do it. Like he 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 puffs out the chest. He's ready to go. I do wish he had taken some umbrage at her calling her a Vegas pool bitch. That would have been when he said, like, first of all, I thought he was going to say, you know, don't talk to women that way. But then I remembered it's, remembered it's 2003 and, you know, women didn't have rights as humans back then. Apparently. Certainly so, not on this show. Yeah, we'll we'll alight over that. But yeah, he definitely has a, a strong I will fucking kill you game. As we go to commercial, let's pause here from a word for our sponsors, which, again, if you'll remember from the pilot episode, this code for me going to get more alcohol. Yes, sir. So we come out of the commercial break. We're still poolside. Danny and Shelly are flirting at the bar and and they go fuck. Yeah, Danny, still on duty, as far as we know, is not doing very good at his job, but is doing very, very good with Shelly because she's not even ready for dinner. She's ready to bone. In the casino, Sam and her whales have arrived back at table 44, where the gentlemen realize that the stools are incorrect. And Nessa says some were rotated for routine maintenance, but then they say that the stools used to be green and i can't imagine they're mixing and matching stool aesthetics right this isn't routine maintenance they've changed them out that does seem to be the key another quick note about sam before we got to the chairs only because i have to bring up every bad thing mary does because she's a trash ass character turns out mary promised tickets that she didn't have tried to get them from sam sam's like nah man i got nothing whoa whoa dude That's coming up next after they leave the table. Oh, my notes had it wrong order. My bad. Withdrawn. It's fine. So that's fine. Michael and Elliot will hang out. They'll wait. And in the meantime, they want Sam to drive the limo to take them to get a Rudy's chili burger, which first hint of a weird flex. And I'm thinking not that something's up but that their level of play does not justify this level of handholding from Sam. You know, if this was our first entree into Sam or we had had smaller players in the past, maybe I could buy 100K getting this level of chicanery. But we've seen people who were dropping 500, dropping mil. 100K does not get this level of bullshit. In the pilot, her first day on the job, we saw Sam get over a million dollars out of a bum just for agreeing to send a picture to his family. Pretty good return on investment. Yeah, so she's really going to get out of bed for 200K for these assholes who keep stringing along? I don't know. This is where my, I won't say red flag, but like yellow flag. Maybe it's a quiet weekend. Maybe these are her only whales. But holy shit, like this is a lot of output from Sam. Yeah. On her way to go, I guess, fire up the limo. Mary hits her up for tickets to give to Cosme and Leonore. Sam doesn't have any. They're already sold out and the VIP allotment is gone. Whoopsies. Weird. Mary promising shit she doesn't have because she is 
garbage. Now, I know you're angling for this to be a Bad Mary episode, but I don't think it is. Uh, no, I'm not there yet, but ooh, my, my finger is just hovering over the virtual drop button that I don't have access to. I think that if you haven't gotten there yet, you're not going to get there because I think she is on an uptick from here. This is the bottom of the merry market. Let's let's put it this way. When watching it, I'm slamming the button right now. She redeems herself later on. Not because of her. She happened to get lucky that Wayne Newton is just a saint. Well, I mean, she shot her shot, but we'll get to Mary. My issue here, or I shouldn't say issue, a thing I want to discuss further, though, is a almost a throwaway line. She says they lost their life savings at the roulette wheel. And certainly... The only thing these fuckers have talked about was that one bad bet at the roulette wheel. So as we are wont to do, I would like to break down the gambling situation here. I went back and looked. The dealer slid Cosme three stacks of 20 chips each. So we're talking 60 chips. Okay. At the roulette wheel, they're going to use a casino chip on the little tray there to denote what your, you know, what a stack of your shit's worth. So you are somewhat constrained in your options for what your chips could be. You know, you can't go up there and be like, I would like, you know, each of my chips to be worth $8.25. Like, no, that's not how the game's played. So possible values. Each of those chips could have been worth a dollar, five, 25 or 100. A dollar. No way. There's no way 60 bucks has pissed everyone off like this. Right. It's just inconceivable. There's no way it's a hundred dollars because then that's 6,000. And that is more than the inside maximum I've seen at every main floor roulette wheel I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen conservatively 500 roulette wheels. I've never seen, they don't allow inside or outside bets that would, sorry, they don't allow inside bets to that degree. So I can't imagine they're going to take his action and then turn him away. But okay, at the maximum, he's got $6,000 on the table. Realistically, I think he's got either 300 or 1500. And that represents their life savings on one spin of the wheel. At this point, fuck Cosme. I mean, like, I'm sorry, but if this was really the, the fucking pusher stack, moment and he did it at a roulette table right after getting laid off came to yeah. vegas because you already had the trip booked putting 1500 on one or putting everything you have on one play aside from a lucky five dollar chip is not that's just dumb but hey he saw red well always bet on black mary leaves this conversation with sam distraught i leave this conversation saying fuck cosme so everyone's got their own burden to bear no disagreement here danny and shelly are walking through the casino floor Danny is now off duty, I guess. He's in his business casual Johnny Cash look. And they're on their way to Peel, which I would have thought was a pizza place by the name of it. Or like a very fruit-centered cocktail bar. Oh, yeah. Not okay. what is probably Ghost Bar. Yeah. Shelly ducks off when she spots Delinda en route. And again, we go on a little rom-com tangent where Danny's going to pass on being set up, which, again, I don't really want to talk about. Normally, I would have just omitted this and moved on. But I stopped because he tells Delinda, no, fuck that. Which reminds me, I'm going to have to take a pass on that fix up thing. Oh, they're really nice. Oh, I'm sure they are, but I'm going to be, you know, pretty booked for the next few weeks. He knows she's from out of town, right? She literally just said in the last scene. So how long are you in town? Till Thursday. What the fuck, Danny? I, I get that he doesn't want the pity vote from Delinda, but Delinda's going to discover, you know, on Friday, that Danny doesn't have a girl in his life anymore. My guess is Danny thinks he's got his mojo back. He was he had confided in Mike that like getting set up by Delinda's lame 
I need to break this alleged bad spell that he's on, which has been what a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, it's not been long. He's not, he doesn't need a slump buster right now. He's doing okay, but maybe he, I, I don't know, man. It's a stretch. So again, anytime the rom-com shit's involved, Danny's the worst. And if we had a drop for bad Danny episode, I'd be dropping it right about here. Not a great Danny episode, although Shelly is really, really hot. Yeah. Well, in aggregate, though, my, my boy, Danny boy. Oof. The the pipes, the pipes were calling. Am I Hey-o! right? That's a that's a sex joke for our younger listeners. Oh, that's what you meant by plumbing. I wish I could capture <laughs> the delay and the realization on your face from this video call <sighs> and and sell it to our listeners because God, it was good. It was just I was like, I didn't say plumbing. Oh, wait, the pipe. Yeah, okay. That's, that's there are good. things there are things that I do for the listeners, and there's <laughs> things that I do for me. If no, if nothing else, we're amusing ourselves. I think that's all we're doing, and that's fine. Guess who else is going to do it in these troubling times we're in? In these uncertain times. We cut to the whales, Michael and Elliot, who are sitting outside the elevators, betting on which one's going to open first, which this is another, like Mike's HPV tidbit, has lasted with me basically since I've seen this episode. I have constantly been thinking about that in Vegas casinos. I don't know why. For some reason, I watch these guys betting on which elevator is going to come first. And now every single time I walk into an elevator bank in Vegas, I think, would not it be hilarious to sit there and bet on which one will open first? I don't know why. I don't know why. It would be absolutely hilarious. You know what you would never be allowed to do? Sit Sit down in the elevator bank. Sir, are you drunk? Have you fallen down? It's time for you to go. You're getting one of those. Yeah, you are 100% getting met by a security person within uh, two minutes. So the elevator's open, and they claim it's too close to call that they're going to go to the tapes, but it's not that close. Michael's elevator wins by a observable margin. Sure, it is. It is close, to be fair. Sure. But it's it's definitely a ding-ding. Right. You know, We don't need to go to VAR for this one. No. On the way, they pass a Laughlin advertisement on the casino floor, which seems like it's advertising for a golf course, of which there's about 6,000 in the Las Vegas area. But how far is it to Laughlin? Uh, about 100 miles. 100 miles? Mm-hmm. Well, Why? I say Sam gets there and back in under three hours. Yeah, except for I'm not doing any illegal driving. So. 50,000 says we hit traffic and they'll make it back for at least three plus hours. I'll take that back. Sam? Yes? We're going to Laughlin. If I'm Sam at this point, I'm wondering, why the fuck do they gamble so little at the tables? when they're willing to splash around so much money between friends. This is an absurd amount of money. Also, how are you going to get three hours of my time for none of that money to come to me? Right? Now, I will say, this is a pretty good over-under. Google Maps thinks it would take 175 minutes round trip from the south end of the Strip. So sort of on the fly, setting a total at three hours. Pretty good. Here's why I don't think it is. I think Sam is still driving a limousine. Most of this is highway time, though. Sure, but even on highway, how fast are you getting that limo? Uh, Easily 80 miles an hour. I don't think this is a problem. I think Mm. the limo is constrained on surface traits, not the highway. Sure. I feel like the over over is very safe here. Um, I think this is a great bet, and I also think it's a really fun thing for Michael and Elliot to do, and I could see us doing it if we were rich degenerates in Vegas. No doubt. The fact that we haven't done it before is 
somewhat surprising. I think it'd be really fun to sit in the back of a limo with a couple of bottles of booze, gambling on how long it will take us to get somewhere and back. Listening to tunes, just loving yeah. life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Really bad call by the Montecito, though. Why are they advertising for something that's going to take people out of the casino 100 miles away? And by the way, I looked at fucking TripAdvisor. There's not shit to do in Laughlin. Why is anyone going to go there? One has to assume that in the Montecito cinematic universe, we've already established you have the money plane. Yeah. And these guys clearly don't have the scratch for the money plane. No. Not even close. They don't even know what crypto is. Yeah, they cannot bet on whether a guy fucks an alligator. But a sister property in Laughlin with a golf course seems very reasonable for the the MCU that all the folks are talking about. I agree. But why is that advertisement on the casino floor? Uh, the golf course, I think, is the main draw here. The Montecito sure. property again, does not there's have- 6,000 casino or there's 6,000 golf courses in the Las Vegas area. But none connected to the MCU. I just don't know that you want to get people that fucking far away, though. It's not a know. good play. Bad advertising campaign. That's For my sure. assessment. Uh, so at the Wayne Newton Theater, Mary stops by to seemingly ambush Wayne Newton as he's coming off stage. Because she sucks. He couldn't be nicer. Just a saint of a man. What is your opinion of Wayne Newton going into this episode? Pro or con? Like the episode title. Hey, nailed it. Hey, look at that. Uh, I didn't have I don't really have a take on Wayne Newton. Really? I'm I'm pro Wayne Newton. So I think he is a sort of I think of as like a B-list crooner that has offset that by a tremendous body of work. His longevity cannot be beat. Sure. So, he's I mean he's he's not Sinatra. No. But, but he's got he's got some bangers. Suspicious Minds, which is very heavily featured in the episode, fucking slaps. I mean, literally six or seven bullet points from now. I have not a huge Wayne fan, but this is a fucking jam. All right. That, so, okay. I have no bad things to say about Wayne Newton at all, but I would not have entertained the idea of going to see him in concert. I guess is how I would put it. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's fair. So he couldn't be nicer. Apparently he knows Big Ed because everyone does. And, and all, unlike Danny, good guy to know. You really want to know Big Ed and being good with him. I could have done with a five minute montage of Wayne, a young Wayne Newton and a young Big Ed getting into some shit. Or even just a throwaway line being like, yeah, because he helped me out with that thing. Yeah, I could go for that flashback. I like to think that Wayne fucked a hooker and Ed made it go away or something like Ed's got some shit on Wayne, but doesn't hold it over him. It's just like, no, no, no. You know, pay it forward, Wayne. I got you. Hey, an institution like Wayne Newton gets gets a freebie. Yeah. So up to this point, Mary's been on a pretty bad trajectory. Real bad. But she shoots her shot. She's obviously nervous. He's an icon, a legend among the Las Vegas locals. And she goes for it. Hey, can I get two tickets for these people who I want to take care of? Wayne, ever the mensch, not a problem. I can help you out. Doesn't even question it. Just automatic. Of course, I got you. And you know what? This actually, I thought this felt extremely authentic. Because she's established, she works at the Montecito, you know, yes, perhaps a competing property, but he's an entertainer. He doesn't give a shit. Obviously, there's there's a lot of uh, puts and takes with show tickets among the properties. So who gives a shit? And she's clearly genuine. You know, she's nervous. She's going out on a limb here. I totally bought it that Wayne was going to throw a couple tickets. 100%. Let's put a pin in this, though. We cut to a bar slash nightclub. Definitely not a pizza place. 
They are not slinging slices here. Oh, but somebody's about to get a slice. Oh, I was thinking there's going to be like a, a pepperoni joke, maybe, or a sausage. A salami? I feel like you had better better shots there. Do what? Should we take this from the top? It feels like we should take... I feel very good about it. You want me to print this take? Okay, because because it's Because it's a slice of that ass. Is that a turn of phrase that people use? Oh, yeah, all the time. Oh, all right. Well, I guess we'll let our seven listeners decide. <laughs> Danny and Shelly, they're making out on a couch and on no, their way to the bar. Ma- making out is underselling it. They are getting fucking after it on this couch. Yeah. I mean, this couch has seen some shit and they're probably in the top 10. Yeah, they are extremely close to just banging. On their way to the bar, Shelly clocks this diamond bracelet. And while Danny's reloading at the bar in a pretty skeezy fucking scene with the bartender, she sets some sort of fucking world record at thievery. It is 25 seconds. Two five. Shelly is extremely good at her gig, and I love the the closest. This was actually very good VFX in this episode. We've given them shit a lot. This is true. I feel like the her, especially her clocking shiny stuff is it reminded me kind of of like a a Daredevil esque. Yeah, you don't need to see it; you can hear it. Like she has a a sixth sense. Very good work there. But ooh, Shelly, extremely good at conning people. Her efficiency rating is off the charts. The sabermetricians love Shelly. Her war is incredible. So they're back at the couch, more making out. This time, Shelly's writing Danny and says, we got to get a hotel room. Stat. We cut to this scene at the Wayne Newton Theater. We're going to be cutting back and forth here. Wayne is performing Suspicious Minds live. Banger. While Danny and Shelly are fucking in a hotel room. Bang her. And Suspicious Minds, and Danny should be suspicious, but isn't. We got to give some credit where it's due. Las Vegas, some nice little subtle, not that subtle, but you've got to be paying attention to get the get the bit. Yeah, I liked it. Fucking jam of a song. Wayne didn't just throw a couple tickets Mary's way in the nosebleeds. Cosme and Lenore have amazing seats. Table seats, fucking front row of the stage. Wayne clearly has his his one table per show that he can just hand out to whoever. Maybe he gets sold, maybe it doesn't. But yeah, a hell of a comp for Cosme and Lenore. Outstanding. So Wayne is working the crowd. We're getting some side boob of Shelly up in the hotel room. Pretty great scene. He gets to Cosme and Lenore after shaking a bunch of hands and kissing a bunch of women. And he offers the mic to Cosme. Wayne is going to kiss every woman near the stage. Also, it just occurred to me, we did pass over maybe the most dating line of the show. Hit me. The skeezy bartender mentioned that earlier in the night, Brittany and Christina had a cat fight by the fire pit. If you had told 2003 Eddie that there was a video of Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera having a cat fight, I would be intrigued. That's fair. That felt like a quintessential, oh yeah, this is a 2003 episode. <laughs> that was definitely something that anchored it in its spot in time. I mean, the whole scene in Peel was dating, but that was a real, hello friends, we've come to you live from 20 years ago where these two people are relevant. When you dig up the time capsule, it's a, yeah. oh yeah, this is when this was. Yeah. Okay, got it. I, I'll buy that. So Wayne's working the crowd. He's shaking everybody's hands. He's kissing over all these women. 
definitely giving mouth hurt to a whole bunch of women, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. He gets to Cosme and Lenore for the first time. He offers a mic to Cosme and then pulls him on stage. When we realize this fucking dude's got some pipes. Cosme killed this. Hot take alert. Cosme's better than Wayne Newton? Sir. Sir. I don't mean the body of evidence, but in this moment, singing this song right now, Cosme is doing an amazing job. Vocally, I will give you that Cosme beats Wayne here. Cosme is, his throttle is at 250%. His engine's about to explode. His tires have all ruptured. Wayne is cruising along at 30% throttle. Wayne is not trying here. This is this is Wayne's ninth show of the week. Correct. He's phoning. Cosby's got his one at bat. He's going to make the most of it. And he does. He kills it vocally. Wayne having to teach Cosme how hip rotations work made me laugh so hard. All right, waggle. Waggle. (laughs) He's got a waggling now. Oh, Lord. During this, Mary's approached by some dude during the songs. Mary got great SRO tickets. And some dude approaches her during the song, who we'll learn is the talent scout slash manager for Bella Sarah. One would think the beautiful wax talent manager would know the director of events or whatever Mary's not call girl title is. Yeah. You would think they would interact a whole lot. So I actually think they do know each other because he doesn't come up to her and be like, oh, this guy's great. Right. And he specifically asks. Who is this? Like, I think he knows her. Sure. I'll give you that. I'm more surprised that two people from the Montecito are at the show. Like, why would this guy make it his routine to go to see Wayne Newton? Well, if Wayne Newton has a running bit of pulling some rando on stage and he is looking for a shitty Wayne Newton impersonator for the Bella Sarah at <sighs> two o'clock on a Tuesday, I could see him scouting talent there. So you're going to. You're going to take umbrage with the wig department at Las Vegas, but you're going to say that this motherfucker routinely scouts Wayne Newton shows looking for impersonators. Come the fuck on. That's I preposterous. Mean, I don't I don't think it is. Bro, think your about, pill just got napalmed. You are dead. You're on fire. Many, think about how many shitty impersonators you and I have seen while while trying to avoid them in Vegas. Yeah. And you think this guy's fucking M.O. is to go to Wayne Newton shows and hope he pulls a guy on stage that can sing well? Yes. Fuck that. That is ridiculous. I'd buy that. I'd buy that in a heartbeat. Listeners, hit us up on our Twitter feed at Montecito Pod and let us know, is Eddie an idiot or is Eddie just drunk? Because those are your two options. On this issue, because otherwise, yes, I'm both at all times. Right. But we, we have the Twitter poll. We've done it once. And we, our first time we asked, was the mustache good or not? Overwhelmingly great mustache. How many votes? Did you have Jeremy rig the voting? I am just saying it was a hundred percent difference between the two options. So it was two to one. It was two to one. Yes. Okay. Was one of them me? Yes. Was Was the the other one me? You? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So shout out to whoever was with me on it being a great mustache. Please write into pod at the Montecito gmail.com and let us know who you are. We have a prize for you. It's Ty. We don't actually have a prize for you. Even if it's not Ty, we have no prize for you. (laughs) So we're in the hotel room. The song's over. 
You got to admire Shelly's commitment to the scam. Maybe uh, Danny really is packing a serious weapon because she's fucking him. Danny got his. Like, GG, you may be about to get conned, but you definitely boned. And speaking of things that Danny gets, he gets a call from Ed Rutro, report of a stolen bracelet. And Danny puts it together like a bad psych episode. He's fucking the thief. It was a very bad, quick montage. Also, the I'm on top of it line. Very good. Honestly, the best thing that Danny did all episode was that line. Well, the best thing he did all episode was fuck Shelly. The second best episode was that or second best thing he did this episode was that line. We come out of commercial to find them still in the room. Danny's rifled through her purse, found the bracelet. He says they just made love. And that was fucking right. They weren't making love. Certainly not. I think in the words of the immortal poet Akon. I just had But make love? No, probably not. Why does Danny, who seemingly every episode has his pick of the women, always jump in the sack with women he knows nothing about? What the fuck, Danny? I can't answer the question on all of the other times. This time, I can very much understand why. She is super hot. This one makes sense. But my point is, if this is a semi-regular thing for you, You've been burned a couple of times within the last two months. Maybe your shields are up a little bit and you just think, hey, let me fucking run her through the Montecito dossier system just to see what comes up. I mean, he he ran her through a dossier system of one kind, if you know what I mean. No, he ran her through with his dossier. There's a difference. I understand why you would think that Danny would have his shields up, but I think that we've established... You're, you're a dog guy. Yeah. You like dogs a lot. Love them. Danny's Danny's a golden retriever. He's good looking, athletic, dumb as shit. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you put a shot collar on a golden retriever and you burn him twice in a row, even a golden retriever will learn, hey, maybe don't do that thing. And Danny, how he's gotten to this point in his life, fucking first, asking questions later, I do not understand. And look, let's be clear. I would understand if Danny were a homely fellow who perhaps is unused to the attention thrusted upon him by all these delightful women, but he's not. In this fucking male fantasy world that Danny lives in, he can't go 15 minutes without a woman throwing herself at him. Surely, surely he's learned. Let's maybe throw a quick Google search on the B first. No? No? You know, hot is hot regardless of relativity. I guess. I think the only answer is we got to get Josh Dumel on the show and ask him, Josh, you're a hot man. Does this track with your experience? And I think he's going to side with me. Do you watch the show? Holy moly. I have not heard of the show. Holy moly. This is the Steph Curry produced putt putt primetime television show that combines wipeout and putt putt into. I blinked. I blinked for so long there to indicate my disbelief that. This is the direction this conversation is going that I just want you to see that it's fair. You can you can roll your eyes as much as you want. It is arguably the best show currently on television. Okay. Josh Dumel recently showed up on an episode supporting a friend. So you're telling me we've got a chance to get him on the podcast. I think if we give him a couple beers, he would love to chat. Great. Perhaps something of the herbal variety. Well. 
I think Josh would agree with me. Gotta have a little bit better situational awareness than this. Josh, yes. Danny, we we have seen his situational awareness. Yeah. It's the bad. Early season one, Danny, not the brightest bulb in the box. So Shelly, though, she's not thrown at getting caught having stolen this bracelet. Says, hey, I did a bad thing. I'll return the bracelet. But I'm in some deep shit. This guy you saw at the pool, that wasn't new. He's been threatening me all along, and I need your help. If I don't give the bass player from Sum 41 $8,000, he's going to kill me. <laughs> and who among us haven't been in that exact situation before? R.I.P. Avril Lavigne. At the theater, Cosme is holding a small court and signing autographs, which is hilarious. Is there something more pathetic than trying to get the autograph, not of a performer, but of the random fan that a performer brought up on stage? Those people are fucking dweebs. No doubt. I'm anti-autographs from everybody. Sure. But if you're going to be that asshole... Go ahead and fuck up Cosby's evening because it's going to make him happy. He's fucking thrilled, right? He's on cloud nine. He is loving life right now. Yeah. Go nuts. So he's holding court. Then he gets approached by the curiously named Johnny Juiston. Johnny Juice. And we see his business card, which is worth noting two elements. One, his name, Johnny Juiston, J-O-O-S-T-E-N. Isn't that the company that made... Like the shitty high school rings. <laughs> it's Legit- very close. Is, is, I think is it's that just Justin. one O? Is that just one yeah, O? Yeah, just one O. He's better than them. He's got the extra O. So he does. He doesn't have the <laughs> terrible <laughs> fucking high school jewelry racket cornered that he's he's the heir to that money. He's got he's got to work. And find the next Wayne Newton for the. So here's the deal. Here's my head cannon. I think he's the second born to the Justin Empire is pissed off that he's not the heir to the throne. Goes on in his own is going to make his own name as an O to it. And Johnny Justin is coming at you. It's canonical. It's canonical now. I got to do a mea culpa here, though, Ed. Oh, no. For I think the first time, maybe not. We see the name of the of the bar. The Montecito on his business card, Bella Sarah. Interesting fact about the Italian language. Bella Sarah, if Sarah is spelled with a C, means the beautiful wax. Oh, no. Bella Sarah, spelled with an S, means beautiful evening. That's a much better name. for a lot. It's a much more sensical name for a bar at the very least. Yeah. So, hey, got to call my casium. This one's on me. Uh, I'll always think of it as the beautiful wax. That's like 27 minutes of bits that are just factually incorrect. It hurts. Uh, the good news is I'm going to keep calling it the beautiful wax, though. Obviously. The interesting thing from a story perspective is that Cosme sees this business card, which is red, and claims that this is the red he saw. Thus, justifying in retrospect his bet on the roulette wheel, because this manager at Bellacero wants to see him as for a potential sinking gig. Did this turn you around on Cosme? Because it did me a little bit. He was like, no, no, that 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 wasn't my fault. I just misinterpreted the signs of the universe. Not only did it not turn me around on Cosme, not only did it make me think to myself, easy fucking does it, Cosme. You're you're doing very well for yourself. Don't fuck this up by being an asshole. 
But I also thought as I wrote that note, I bet Eddie likes this part. I bet Eddie thinks this is a positive character trait for fucking Cosme. Wow. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that you called that. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? Back on the casino floor, Michael and Elliot have their old chairs back. Admittedly, they look pretty fucking awesome. Also, they look real fucking old. They look great. Don't get me wrong. But these have been out of rotation for a long time. Well, I think this is also a a factor of the show being a a product of its era, because back then, I think we were still too close. You know, 70s era chairs in 2003 probably weren't yet cool. But if you had those chairs out on the floor right now, they'd be fucking hot. Oh, yeah. That'd be a great look. You're sitting there. You're you're getting on Google and being like, can I get bar stools that look like this? Right. Surely somebody sells these. No doubt. But now these guys remember that they need to ask for Julio, the dealer that always deals there firsthand. But, oh, shit. Julio retired last year. Don't worry. Sam's on the case. You and I have our levels of superstition when it comes to gambling. Yes. I have a hard time ever begrudging someone their superstitions. But wow, we're at a level of, first off, just the happenstance of how are you getting the same dealer at the same table? You know, we learn this is an annual trip for these guys year after year after year. The same guy still at the same casino, still in the same pit, working the same table the same weekend. It's, uh, It's a lot. I don't disagree with anything you've said, but I want to take a different angle. I can see a world in which you and I have our own Julio. We go yearly. Julio deals our first hand. We do well, but we would not have known that right away. Maybe the next year, Julio deals our first hand. We also do well. Then maybe the third year, Julio doesn't deal our first hand. We get our ass handed to us that that whole weekend. Fourth year, we think, fuck, we got to go back to Julio. We figured it out. It was Julio. We make a point to go back. So look, if you build me that tapestry, that's fine. But I tell you what, if I'm at the point where the 10 year body of evidence suggests Julio's the key to us making money, I'm going to let my casino host know in advance. Yeah, let me get Julio. Our first hand is going to be at table 44 with the green stools, Julio behind the shoe. And if you can't do that, I need to know now because I'm fucking not coming. Yeah, figure, we're going to figure out another weekend. Uh, you're right. You're because you're if you're that superstitious, right. which I only am in a casino, there's no way I'm leaving it up to chance that Julio happens to be working. Then you and I have certainly made table choices based on prior trips. Yep. So so yeah, no, you're right. I it's one of the two. Either you're right, and none of, you know none of this is real. This is all manufactured, you know, superstition. Which in that case, Sam should see through. Or I'm right, and this is serious. And this should have been in their fucking writer. Like, no brown M&Ms and make sure Julio's on table 44 for our first hand. Yeah, the in-between is the problem. Although I guess Sam, uh, here's the out. Sam wasn't there. Maybe the prior boss or the prior host didn't have good record keeping or. But Nessa has the intel on these people. You got to feel like Nessa's got to share that information. Mm, Yeah, 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 yeah. Back in surveillance. They're tracking Shelly and the guy who's been attacking her, Ray Duran. They pulled up his dossier, not Danny's dick, but the actual dossier. And Danny's willing to believe the con artist that doesn't have any record because, of course, he is because Danny's a fucking idiot. 
Meanwhile, this fucking drummer from Trapped looking bitch has a very long rep. Whose butt did you kiss to get in here? Huh? Well, the list is long, but distinguished. Yeah, well, so is my Johnson. But Ed's going to go have a little chat with her, and he's seemingly willing to help her out. Now, why the fuck would he do that, Ed? He rode Danny's ass for wanting to help a guy who, want, admittedly, wanted to crime, but had not yet crimed. And here he is wanting to help a woman who crimed a lot in the past, crimed his own daughter, was trying to actively crime his protege, and would have presumably kept criming in the future. Why would Ed help one and not the other? I don't think this was him wanting to help her. This was him wanting to get rid of her. And this was the quickest and cleanest you know, if you call Quicker in Metro, than calling Metro, if you call in Metro, you got to fill out paperwork. He's trying to make this go away without having to call up Luis. Ed doesn't speak a ton of Spanish. He doesn't know what the fuck Luis is saying a quarter of the time. I don't know. This is the part where I think a first time viewer thinks something's off. Yeah. Like this is the if you haven't gotten there yet, this is the final tip of the hand to the viewer that they're Too easy. something. Yeah, every, everybody's getting played right now. We do a quick hit to the retirement home where San finds Julio <laughs> unable to eat his chicken noodle soup, but that doesn't stop her from trying to recruit him. Asking if he wants to come back for, to work. Julio ostensibly cannot speak, and Sam's like, How would you like to come back to work for the Montecito? Okay, well, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> well, I didn't hear no, so that means yes problematic logic when has nevada gaming commission credentials have lapsed like there's no way he's still a licensed dealer wouldn't the lady at the nursing home be like yo this dude's brain is fucking mush leave him alone and then go to her boss and be like yo this woman's trying to kidnap our old guy (laughs) this is senior abuse sam is a bad person and this is a terrible nursing home you could trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up now you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. You're in my world now, Grandma. We're back in surveillance. Danny has spotted Duran Duran at the slot machines <laughs> and is coordinating an assault on his position. Duran also actively criming. He's using a light wand super conspicuously. Yeah, I thought we were getting a monkey paw callback right away. Turns out it's a light wand for a video poker machine. Since Duran was doing such a shitty job of cheating, Danny easily catches him. Here's one fun thing we learn. Apparently, the Montecito security dress code is you must have your shirt collar over your jacket collar to make yourself look like the biggest jersey douches of all time. Because every single security guy is rocking this. And also your jacket has to be two sizes too big, apparently. Yeah, the tailoring department, much like the wig department, not great. In You've, you've in got costuming times. issues this entire episode. So after Danny catches this guy who falls over the change cart, he steps on his fucking throat. Seems pretty aggressive, no? For anyone else, yes. But Danny said he was going to fuck him up. The step on the throat feels appropriate. Danny fucked him up, all right. In the back room, Durant's talking a big game. And then Ed pulls a goddamn switchblade on him in a fucking fantastic reversal of... Dude, you had a light wand on you. I didn't use it. (laughs) That doesn't really matter, see. Whoa, man. What? I didn't use it. Part of me almost appreciates this fucking slipknot roadie trying to say that he is going to get Danny and Ed charged for assault, which I guess the stepping on the throat is the assault. Kidnapping, 
and illegal detainment. I mean, those are one and the same. And also, you're in the back room of security held by security in a private establishment. They can do that. That's not a thing you get. There is a reasonable amount of time that they get to detain you. I can't get past the fact that Ed walks around with a switchblade at all times. That is my favorite part of it. Oh, see, that wasn't a surprise at all. I figure Ed has, at all times, a switchblade, brass knucks, an extremely small pistol, like one of those that only holds one bullet. Yeah. But he only needs one bullet. Like, Ed is strapped at all times. You're talking about, like, the noisy cricket from Men in Black kind of thing? Yeah, like almost, like sleeve gun, almost. Yeah. Like, when he's fucking Jillian on a gondola, he's still strapped up. I totally buy that. And I guess that's why I wasn't surprised he had a switchblade, but I was fucking excited about it. It was great. So talking about something that's not great. Duran says he just wants his money. He's so reasonable. I just need my money. Never mind. He's following this woman state to state, which has to be killing his economics. But whatever. He just wants his six grand and he'll leave her alone. Eight, eight grand. Eight grand. Well, but less the two that he got somehow. Somehow Ed came up with six grand as the number. Oh, see, I took that as a discount for Ed being a douchebag. Yeah. Fair enough. Either way, Big Ed makes Danny give him Danny's $12,000 watch. What the fuck? So part of me thought this was much like you brought this problem upon our house. You wanted to fuck this girl. It's kind of like with you wanted to save Ferrari boy, take out 40K of your own money. This is your problem. You want this to go away? Give up the watch. So here's the thing. I agree with your line of thinking, but I completely disagree with its application. Danny didn't want to help her. Danny brought her to Ed. Ed is the one that agreed to help her. So if Ed's going to help Shelly, it should be Ed's fucking watch, not Danny. Mm. Danny's at this point, Danny realized you fucked her, realized you fucked up, hauls her ass into security. I thought he brought her in to figure out if the story was legit. Sure, but I don't think Danny's going out of his way to help her now. Danny's pissed off when he rolls over on the bedside and goes through her purse. Danny is not in a let's help Julian Curvis mode. He's in a fuck this lady mode. I got to bail my own ass out. Fair. Douchebag move by Ed. Don't don't care what anyone says. And also, my thought was, okay, this is part of some plan and we'll later learn it was. But at the moment, after Duran leaves, Danny looks at Ed like, you motherfucker, you just maybe give up a $12,000 watch. Danny's not like, we got him now. Yeah, Danny is selling for the audience at home when he doesn't need to anymore. Danny's Danny's a worker. So our, our final act, we're on the casino floor. Julio's back at the table, basically in a coma. I mean, he can't do basic things like process their request for a marker. Again, only a pair of two $10,000 markers. Low level for the amount of shit they put Sam through. And Julio cannot do it. He's he is struggling. It's uncomfortable to watch how bad of shape Julio's in. To her credit, Sam finally reads the situation and pulls the plug on it, only to learn that this was a one hundred thousand dollar wager between Michael and Elliot on how long Sam would put up with their shit. And Julio was in on it and Nessa was in on it. I don't know if Nessa was in on it. Nessa, I think on the rewatch, she has clearly been in on it. Because she is smiling every time they ask for something stupid. Mm, So she says every year they pull something. And every time they ask for table 44, the green stools, Julio, Nessa's always grinning. I don't know if Nessa was in on it, but Nessa just she knows these kids are always up to something and is just going to play along to run it out. 
which I think is worse. If they went to Nessa, it's like, we need your help. That's one thing. But if Nessa has taken it on her own to cover for them, she's got to watch out for Sam. Because Sam is going to come after Sam's her coming. next. Yo, shout out to Julio, though. That dude got a fat stack for about 10 minutes of work. Our boy from a previous episode who is uh, paying Mike to be his good luck charm. It's a it's a that kind of stack that Julio gets. He got five figures there. Easy. But also shout out to Michael and Elliot for taking care of their people like they're assholes with Sam. But like they're going to pay out Julio like that was good work. And also they're both of them were committed to the bit. Like both of them were trying to go to Sam on. It's not like one of them was trying to grease the wheels one way or the other. It was it was a very respect your opponent, respect the game. Yeah. I won't lie. I saw a lot of us in these two guys, and I don't know if I like how much of it I saw, but it looked a lot like us, my man. So here's the thing. I did as well. I think there's a critical distinction. I don't think either of us would have targeted our wrath on a person like that. No, only if we had a had built up a relationship of a level to where, like, if it was you and me doing it to a buddy. Sure. 100%. Like, Turlet needs to watch himself. We could fuck him up. We're not dicks to bartenders, waiters, toasts, anything like that. We, you know, try to try to be decent human beings. So on the legitimately hit podcast, The Greatest Generation, of which we've, for you, unknowingly based a lot of our format on, Ben and Adam have a thing like you they have a lot of rules to, to live your life by. And one of them is you don't do bits on tip based people. Sure. They have to take your shit. And that's not fair. Like you can only do bits on people who can tell you to fuck yourself. That's a, that's a very good rule. Somebody in the tip economy cannot tell you to fuck yourself. And that is essentially what Sam is, you know, because she's getting a piece of your action. Sam can't tell you to fuck yourself. So you cannot do a bit on her now. I think their entire arc could have been back towards the favorable if the winner gave half to Sam. Like if that had been agreed upon thing, hey, the bet's 100 grand. You're getting a piece. And 50 of that goes to Sam for being a good sport. Not even 50. Just give her a piece. Or you're like, you know what, Sam, you're right. And you immediately put the 100 grand into play. Like, you know, you earned it. Like, we're just fucking with you. Sorry, we're assholes, but we're going to do right by you. And 10 10 of that is on top for the team. Like, yeah. 10 for the crew, but 100 goes on the books. Let's fucking get wild. Yeah. Now, another thing. I'm really curious how the terms of this bet were arranged. So the bet is ostensibly how long can Sam go before she snaps? Did they bet? Did they base this on time? Was it the number of requests? Was it the nature of their like there had to be some mutually agreed upon like I won, you lost. I took it as a temporal over under. So things like the three hours to Laughlin. That was a was a big swing because Michael came up with that and Michael was on the under. So that was pretty ballsy by Michael. I think it's a number of requests, not time. Add this to your uh, Google Doc of questions for GST. Yeah, because because I feel like this is not one of those we're supposed to think about too hard. But he knows GST knows 25 space bucks. If we can get the answer. We've we've now learned that we've got to go ahead and fire the bets off. Yep. I never know. I got 25 space bucks on temporal bet. And I have 25 that is number of requests. Bet. Bet. At Belisera, a.k.a. the beautiful wax, Mary is dropping off an autographed photo of Wayne Newton to Cosby and Leonore. And Shelly and Danny are saying goodbye to each other. So sweet as we crossfade to a Greyhound on its way out of town 
with Shelly and Duran making out on the bus as Danny comes out of the bathroom with two police officers. Danny was posted up on the right Greyhound. I'm going to try and give the show a little credit. Let's assume that the bus was going to Phoenix. Sure. Since that kept being brought up as as her or, home base. Or they clocked the one that Duran bought a ticket to. Like, sure. Options. But da- Danny posted up in the back. But yeah, Shelly and this... I've run out of shitty bands off the top of my head to continue this bit, and that pains me. But this fucking Lincoln Park ass motherfucker making out they're they're look they're like six and oh seven and oh they've been killing it they got watches bracelets necklaces crushing the game you get the dance before the balls in the end zone though you do not pull out the highlighter until you see that zero is on the scoreboard just take two different buses and this problem doesn't happen phoenix isn't that far away bide your time instead danny hanging out in the bathroom with two and by the way when did he know to come out I guess once he saw Shelly. How could he see her? He was in the bathroom. Was he in the bathroom or just in the back row? There's no way they're just in the back row because those guys are wearing fucking sheriff's outfits. Mm, True. Anyway, a gross Greyhound scene, but all Greyhound scenes are gross. So what's going to do? I was going to say, name a not gross Greyhound scene. But hey, Danny's happy. And I guess that's all we need. Back on the floor, the whales, Michael and Elliot, are getting hit with an $86,000 bill going back 10 years. As Sam walks by and pretends to not know who they are and that they should be comp guests. You got to give it to Sam. If you fuck with her, she's going to get you back. I think not only is this a great move by Sam, I also think that, first of all, these guys have to have a better sense of humor about it. Like they've been running a con on her for 12, 18 hours. Like they have, you know, they recognize what she's doing. I would assume these guys have a better sense of humor about it. They had a hundred thousand dollar bet between them. Right. And they're and losing I, their shit about a six rand. Well, I think. And again, I'm I'm I guess I'm putting us in their shoes. If we get a bill for that weekend, it's a fair. You got us. Yeah. Good yeah. bit. You go back 10 years worth of bills that we thought were comped. Then it's like a OK, look. Uh, yeah, we did a mean thing, but let's tranquilo, cabron, por favor. Too much. Yeah, but I don't think that your instant reaction is a is outrage. I think it's like, OK, ha, you got us. But also, by the way, they're only charging Elliot's card. So if that's only happening to one of us, I think the other one thinks it's fucking hilarious. That is true. It's a hundred thousand dollar bet. This is less than the amount of the bet. And I think the other one's literally on the floor rolling in laughter. Completely correct. And, you know, I also think if we did that. If this whole situation plays out, Sam pulls this move on us. Sam now has clients for life because she's going to fix it. She's going to make it right. And I think this is going to go down as, OK, Sam's fucking great. Like, yeah, n- now you have the relationship where you yeah. could actually pull the fuckery. Or even better, next year, Sam, how are we going to fuck somebody else? Correct. Like, I hear your boy Danny's a real gullible piece of shit. How can we fuck with him next year? <laughs> In Ed's office, turns out Danny's watch was a fake. Ed tosses Danny the new one, still on the pillow. It comes in out of the box. How long was the watch a fake from the very beginning? No, just once they pulled in uh, our Hoobastank friend. You just don't understand how much I love you, do you? And so Ed put it 
back on the pillow that comes in the box? Ed respects fine things. Bling, if you will. Well, Ed won't, but I will. Hi, Daddy. Then why was Danny pissed off after Duran left the back room? Again, he was he was selling for the crowd. But Ed rightly calls out Danny's, quote, social life management, which, as I've been ringing the bell for all episode, is horrendous. I'm not going to ding him on this one. Shelly would have had my watch, no doubt. I'm getting got. It is clear to me at this point, as it has been all episode, that you have a thing for Alana de la Garza and therefore are incapable of realizing how dumb Danny is in this episode. Oh, no, I realize exactly how dumb Danny is. I'm just saying I would also have been that dumb. Fair enough. On the casino floor, Danny's getting roasted by Sam and Delinda for having gotten conned, which credit to Ed. He's apparently spread like wildfire. Ed's having fun with it. Delinda's friends walk by that in the shitty rom-com thing she talked about hooking him up with. I feel like they were somebody. I looked on IMDb and I didn't see. Like we should know who they are. Yeah. Like maybe in 2003, we would have known who they were. I, when I looked on IMDb, I was actually looking for who Shelly was to nobody's surprise, but I, I would have expected them to pop up. I don't know. I, IMDb lists lists Wolfgang Puck uncredited, who, as far as I could tell, was not in the episode at all. So, and is in a lot of episodes. So, so I, I have a hard time imagining that. They credited somebody who wasn't in the episode and ignored two celebrity twins that were. Well, I'm I'm saying even in 2003, they would have been like D-list. Fair enough. I feel like we could have excised that entire plot about Danny being hooked up by Delinda, all that shit, and we would have been fine. We didn't need any of it. I mean, I, I feel like they could have kept the running bit and just not done the payoff, too. Yeah, any of that would have been fine. Over at Belisera, Cosme's performing. Look at that. He's the new Wayne Newton of the Montecito. And Leonore, bless her heart, has to serve cocktails. What a trade-off. Things must have been real shit in Fresno because they've decided, fuck it. We're picking up. We're moving to Vegas. There's nothing left for us in Fresno. Leonore had to trade in her Team Rocket monogram shirt that was made <laughs> of sequins uh, and is now a waitress at the Bellicera. But yeah, Cosme, to his credit, still crushing it. And has completely aped Wayne Newton's outfit right down the red pocket square. I mean, if you're going to be a Wayne Newton impersonator, you might as well do the full bit. Here's the thing that got me, though. You have several employees of the Montecito, Vegas locals, who you have to think have heard thousands of Wayne Newton impersonators eating it up, just rocking out. Danny, extremely white dude dancing. The entire staff needs dancing lessons. It's all bad. Yeah. But like, you would think that this would not, like, it would just be white noise for them at this point. But they're Yeah, I agree. And Sam is definitely going to grind up on Danny's dick when she has the opportunity. She seems to take that opportunity whenever she can. She's heard that Danny's got a weapon and she wants to find out for herself. Yet also has heard it's not particularly impressive. Depending upon well, that's episode. at least what she told. That's at least what she's told Danny, whether or not she actually believes that. I think mm. is. she is a a craftsman, a craftswoman and, and a an invest, person, if you will. She is quite inquisitive. She's here to do her own research. Trust, but verify. That's Sam's belief. Love it. Ed, did you like the episode? I did. Liked it a lot is most of it because I'm desperately in love with Shelly now. Maybe. But yeah, I thought it was great. What about you? I thought it was fucking fantastic. I thought it was a really great episode. It was fun. We had some hijinks. We had a little bit of story. You know, good guys had good endings. 
bad guys got what was coming to them. Um, great. I loved it. Both a good main and subplot, which yeah. I feel like we've always gotten, and maybe it's just when they dip into C and D storylines that we always get a bad one. When they stick to two, it's usually better. Yeah. And while you could argue that the C plot of Danny's love life was there, they didn't make a meal of it and it was easy enough to ignore. So thumbs up like the episode. But do we have a new chip leader? Oh, it was a really bad Danny episode. Aside from banging Shelly. So Danny is our current chip. He is. And and here's the problem. Everything Danny did in this episode was dumb and bad. But if, if we zoom out and look at what ended up actually happening, happening to Danny in this episode, he got a sweet new $12,000 watch for ostensibly doing his job, banged a super hot girl, and nothing actually negative aside from, I guess, not getting set up with his ex's friends. That's the only real downside. Danny did some dumb stuff, but on a zoom out level, it it ended up not being a terrible app, I guess. I mean, he did take a pretty big hit in Ed's eyes. And Ed is probably the, at this point, most important relationship to Danny. So if you ask Danny, he's probably not thrilled. Like, yeah, he got to fuck Shelly, but Ed's indictment of his behavior is probably stinging him pretty good. Oh, Danny's feeling bad when he gets home for an hour and a half of sleep that he gets on average, it seems. Right. And there was the weird Mary guilt trip, which may fuck him up. But our closest competitor is Sam, who in the end got hers. But this was not a great Sam app. I mean, I don't I don't think she got the belt back. Here's where I come down. On it. I think Danny keeps the chip lead, but he dumped a bunch of chips. And so he's no longer head and shoulders above the rest of the table. It's uh, it's a razor thin margin. I would yeah, agree with it's, that. It's a it's a very well distributed field. I think Nessa picked up some chips. Ness finally lived up to her billing. I feel like this was the first time we actually saw the ice queen. I think Ed has to date not really made any big moves. He's just buying blinds when he gets the opportunity. So I think Ed probably picked up a little bit of chips from Danny, but not a ton. I think Delinda probably lost chips. Agreed. Mary sucks. She is like nine markers into the house at this point. Is Mary just a rail bird? Like, does she even have a seat at the table? She is working for the casino because she owes them so much money. She is essentially (laughs) an indentured servant for the fucking Montecito for the house at this point. So we'll give Danny the chip lead, but he's on notice. He needs to step up his game or he's just going to bleed away his chip lead. Yeah, he's going to need to redeem himself for sure. What do we have on tap for next week? Next week on Pod at the Montecito. Luck be a lady. A pop diva decides to hold court at the Montecito, and director of special events Mary is appointed chaperone to the demanding singer. Ed is reunited with a lusty former CIA partner who is guarding the girl, but their rendezvous is cut short when a crazed stalker plans a visit. In this action-packed episode, with guest stars Cheryl Lee Ralph, Mimi Rogers, and Penn and Teller. I'm not looking forward to next week. I don't know about you. I I honestly do not remember this episode at all, which is not a good sign. And yeah, this is not a great intro. Again, this was a DVD synopsis, not an IMDb. We know the DVD likes to lean into the guest stars. Do you know who Cheryl Lee Ralph is? Nope. 
Do you know who Mimi Rogers is? Nope. If I told you that I looked on their IMDb pages and still had no fucking clue who they were, would that surprise you? I kind of would have thought that Mimi Rogers was somebody like old timey famous. I was thinking the same thing. And she was in like six episodes of X-Files was the only thing that would have How did Penn and Teller get last billing on this? Because they're legit people. I guess they just assume that the Las Vegas standards, you know, much like Wayne Newton in this episode, Penn and Teller in this episode, that's a a solid foundation to end with. Typically, if I'm going to call out guest stars, I make them someone anyone has heard of. Well, I don't know about you, Ed, but I had a lot of fun this week. This is a great episode, I think, certainly of the TV show, maybe the podcast. Only time will tell. But I look forward to next week. Again, maybe not the episode, but definitely recording the podcast with you. It's always a pleasure, my friend. And kids, for those of you listening, if you're going to wear fancy jewelry, be sure to turn off the radar pings. You never know what common have radars inside of their skulls that can detect it at a moment's notice from every angle. That's going to be a much larger T-shirt than the first one. I mean, we got to fill out the merch shop somehow. Maybe this could be like a scarf. Oh, like a like a soccer scarf. Yeah, a lot of writing on it. Yeah, like we got to shrink the font a little bit, but you could just hold that up and and get the message across. Or we could do we could sell like half of it on one side, the other half on the other. And so really, you have to buy a pair of it and stand there with your friends, like one holding the front half. That's how we get them. Yep. We sell them instead of like buy one scarf for 40 bucks. It's buy two for 65. Yes, exactly. Love it. Also, holy shit, are scarves that expensive? I don't know. Let's get out of here. I've been Judd. He's been Ed. This has been Pod at the Montecito. We'll see you next time. Genesis! It was a big old piggy. Oink, oink. Was there a bit there with the big old piggy thing? Because pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and the like pig has gotten old, big. Big old piggy. Yeah, okay. Uh, That's all getting cut. Yeah. <laughs> well... At least added to the blooper reel at the end. Wow, your edit is going to suck on this episode. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jesus. Oh, you kill me. You really do.